we have been studying through First Peter. I want to delay that study by one week so that I might address the financial crises that we have been facing within our nation. There was an article in the newspaper that summarized it. It says a year ago the Dow hit an all-time high of 14,164. In the past year, the Dow has dropped by 39%, and investors have lost on paper an estimated $8.3 trillion. I think it would be impossible to underestimate the importance of what has happened financially within our country. There are many people who have lost their savings. There are those whose retirement plan has been devastated. Their 401ks, I heard one person say, my 401 has become a 201 and I'm fearful it's going to become a 101. I was talking with a young man who had a college fund for his, his children and he says that is gone. It's absolutely gone. Now, how are we to respond to such times as believers? We who have faith in Jesus Christ, how are we to respond to these times? Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, beginning in verse number 16. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your easy drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body than clothing. There is much within this parable with which we can identify. It seems to me, as I read the parable, that there is a belief in perpetual prosperity. You'll notice there in verse number 16, he told them a parable saying the land of a certain rich man was very productive. So when we are introduced to this man, he is already rich. And he expects not only to be rich today, he expects to be richer tomorrow. And ladies and gentlemen, in a sense, that describes our belief in recent years. That everything was going to continue, that prosperity was going to be in perpetuity. I remember when I was on the home mission board, a trustee for the North American Mission Board, we had someone who invested our funds to come and speak with us, and he speculated at that time, this was a few years back, but he speculated that within a rather short time, the Dow was going to break 10,000 points. Now, we thought that was absolutely impossible to happen. 
But then we saw the Dow as it went to 10 and then 11 and 12 and 13 and 14. So our financial future has looked bright, has it not? We see the equity in our houses that they have increased up until recently. In fact, how many times have I heard someone say that if I were to buy my house today, I would not be able to afford it. So we have seen the housing equity as it has increased. Uh, We have looked at our 401ks, our retirement. It's been sort of fun in the months that have gone by that we would go and look and see the money that we have made and think to ourselves, I'm rich. My goodness, I never expected to have this kind of money. The point that I'm making is that as time has gone by, like the farmer, we thought it was going to be prosperity in perpetuity, that we were going to become richer and richer. And so we deceived ourselves into believing that it was going to continue when the Bible warns us that riches make themselves wings and flies away. Look at verse number 17. He began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. So within the parable, this farmer thought that his prosperity was going to continue. He said, I will build larger barns so that I might be able to to protect it. He saw his future as being secure in verse number 19. I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, here is this rich farmer. He thought that he was secure financially for the future. And he said, my retirement is secure. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to buy a boat. I'm going to have a great time. Everything is secure. We also have believed that our finances are secure because we had confidence in the market. And the truth is, the biggest uh, question in our minds was, how am I going to keep what I have? I mean, I am growing. My finances are growing. My financial future is secure. So how do I keep what I have? And we hired accountants to help us protect our investments, our investments we projected into the years to come, believing that our Financial security was solid. And then the bottom fell out. Look at verse number 20. But God said to him, you fool this very night. Your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? You know, folks, there are some things that come to us unannounced. There is no announcement made. When this farmer went to bed that night... There was no announcement that this was going to be his last night on earth. The market crash that has come, it came without announcement. I found it rather amusing one night. I was watching Bill O'Reilly, and he was raving because no one had told him this was coming. I don't know why someone should have told him and not me, but at least he thought that they should. There are some things that happen to us that come unannounced. There is no announcement. There are some things that happen to us unexpectedly. 
This farmer was not expecting to die. He was expecting many years to come. Noah's contemporaries were not expecting the flood, though Noah had warned them for 120 years that judgment was coming. Listen to how the Bible describes it in Matthew 24, 38. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until even the day Noah entered the ark. Now, what that is saying is that it was life as usual. They were eating and drinking. They were getting married. They were doing all the things that they normally did. So it was not expected that judgment was going to come. There are some things that happen to us unexpectedly. When I, um, and I'm not going to belabor this. I know you don't want to hear it. And, Though it is an interesting story, I, I'll, uh, I'll not, at least I'll not tell it every week. <laughs> when I went to see Dr. Reinhardt, it was just a routine thing. And uh, so he came and sat down with me and, and uh, said, now, how are you feeling? What's going on? I said, well, I have a little flutter in my chest. You know, I think it's psychosomatic. And he said, uh, Wendell, you don't ever tell a heart doctor you have a little flutter in your chest. He said, now, we've got to do some tests. And I, I did the nuclear stress test and came back, and he said, uh, it shows that you have an abnormality. I wasn't worried. I wasn't. I felt fine. I wasn't expecting anything. You know, something messed up on the test. So then he, he did an MRI. And uh, so I did the MRI, and he said, uh, you, you failed the MRI. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's not a clear picture. I said, why not? He said, well, because you breathed when you were not supposed to. I said, well, I didn't think I did. Well, he said, obviously you did. And he says, so it shows that you have, have some blockage. And so we have to you know, do these other things and so forth. And, but, the, but the point that I'm making is that I didn't expect that. There are some things that happen to us, that come to us, that we are not expecting. Unfortunately, because we don't expect some things, we are not prepared when they come. And that's what we see here with the farmer in verse number 20. But God said to him, you fool. Now, he was foolish because he was not prepared. In fact, in my devotional time this morning, I was reading in Proverbs 14:16, and it says, A fool is arrogant and careless. And so here is this man who was unprepared for the unexpected, believing that he was guaranteed financial prosperity in the years to come. And unexpectedly, his life came to an end. The contemporaries of Noah were not expecting judgment. Though Noah had been warning them, they were not expecting the judgment of God. And then when they were in the ark and the door was shut, they were unprepared. Folks, most of the time, we neglect those things that are important, and we are unprepared when the unexpected comes. I was talking this last week to John Norman, my friend in Oklahoma City, and he told me about giving a speech. And he said, in the speech, I told the people to plan your life as if you're going to live forever, but prepare as if you're not. There are some things that happen to us unannounced, unexpected, 
and find us unprepared. Now, how do we deal with this? How, how do we as believers respond? You know, I've read this story, this parable, so many times, but I had never connected the verses that follow to the parable. And yet I believe that they are Jesus' application to the parable that he just told. So what then can we learn from the application that Jesus gave? He said, first of all, don't worry. Look at verse number 22. And he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious. Look at verse 29. And do not seek what you shall eat and what you shall drink, and do not keep worrying. Verse number 32. Do not be afraid. Now, it's interesting to me, in this parable, the bottom had fallen out, and Jesus, in application, said, don't worry. A.S. Roche wrote, Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Ladies and gentlemen, needless worry is absolutely unproductive. You know why? Because your focus is incorrect. Look at verse number 22. He said to his disciples, for this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body than clothing. Would you agree with me that most of our worry is concerning temporal things? Things that are temporary in nature, most of our worry. We worry about food. We worry about clothing. We worry about our health. Well, even if we are healthy today, there's no guarantee we will be tomorrow. We're still going to die. We worry about the election. Well, whoever's elected is not going to be there long. We worry about our football team. Are they ever going to turn it around? You see, the thing that I'm saying is that our worry is incorrect because normally we worry about those things that are temporary. Our focus is incomplete. Look at verse 23. Life is more than food and the body than clothing. You know why we worry? Because we ignore the place of God. And it is God who gives. Verse number 28. If God so arrays the grass in the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? Folks, it is God who gives us what we have. Did you know that? Whatever you have, it is God who gives us what we have. I remember this is one of the things that I learned from Oral Roberts in a book that he wrote years and years and years ago. I was early in the ministry, just gone into it. And I read a book that he wrote, and in the book he said, It was a great day for me when I learned that the church where I was serving was not my source but that God was my source. You know why that was important to me? Because at that time I was married, had two children, had just quit my job, sold everything, gone back to school because God had called me to preach. 
We were pastoring a little church part-time. I was making $100 a week, and we were trying to get by on that, and I didn't see how we were going to be able to get by on that. And then I read that it is God who's my source. It is not the church. God might use the church, but God is my source. You see, it is God who gives, and it is God who sustains Even when the market crashes and your 401k begins to disappear, it is God who sustains us. And let me ask you, as we have gone through these stressful weeks, it is our tendency to focus on what we have lost. But what do you have left? What do you have left? You know, I was thinking about that and I thought, well, what do I have left? Because I'm no different from you. I mean, it hasn't been an exciting thing for me to watch mine go. What do I have left? I still have my wife sitting right over there. I still have my grandkids sitting right out there. I still have Stephanie sitting up here where she belongs. I still have Eric over there preaching. Emily's probably in the nursery taking care of kids. I still have my five. In other words, I still have. If I don't have a dime in a 401k, I still have those things that are important. You see, our focus is incomplete when we worry about these things because we are focusing on those things that are temporal while we are ignoring God. And that focus is inadequate. Look at verse number 24. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. And they have no no store they have uh, no storeroom nor barn and yet God feeds them how much more valuable you are than the birds now the argument here is from the lesser to the greater and the point is is if God takes care of the birds won't he take care of his child if God takes care of the lilies won't he clothe you that's the point that he's making here it's from the lesser to the greater that if God takes care of the birds He'll take care of his children. And then there's a wonderful verse there in verse number 30. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. Ladies and gentlemen, God knows what your needs are. He knows that you need clothes. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need to educate your children. He knows that you need to have a little something for retirement if you can't work forever. God knows that, and He supplies our needs. Now, our God knows our needs, and He supplies our needs. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants Begging bread. The Bible says that God takes care of His children. And then the Scripture says in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He supplies our needs according to His riches. And He is adequate to meet every need that you have. Now, is there anything that you need today that you don't have. You say, well, my retirement is just about gone. What? No, that's tomorrow. And the Lord has promised to meet our needs today. 
So is there anything you need today that you don't have? Jim Hazel, our chairman of deacons, in the last deacons meeting asked uh, our deacons to write down the, the, the three things most important to them. And after they began to read them back, he said, you know what I noticed? None of you listed your 401K. None of you listed your bank account. None of you listed those things. But it was those things that are most important. Is there anything you need today that you don't have because God supplies? Don't worry. And then he says, after he tells us not to worry, he says, but establish proper priorities which are spiritual. Verse number 31. But seek for his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Matthew writes, but seek first his kingdom with the emphasis being on first. In other words, he is talking about priority. Now, I think we all have spiritual desires. We desire to love God. We desire to know God. We desire to serve God. But the question here is a question of priority. Seek first his kingdom. Well, now let's ask ourselves, do we seek God first in our life? Do we put the kingdom of God first? Well, let me ask you a question to go along with that. When the stock market was soaring and you were making money and checking your account, were you being faithful to God then? Were you being faithful to God then? You see, the Bible teaches us now, what the Lord is saying is don't worry. Don't worry, but establish spiritual priorities. Verse number 33, sell your possessions, give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. Folks, the future has always been uncertain. Financially, it is cyclical. It's always been uncertain. I remember back in the 80s, and it was one of those times when the, there was an oil boom, and so I invested in oil. And uh, I made a lot of money investing in oil. I put money in there. Boy, it was going up. I was making money. I was checking that. I thought, you know, I'm a pretty smart investor. I kept putting it in there. I lost every bit of it. Now, you know, it's always been uncertain financially. We thought we were secure until 9-11, our health. The, th the point is, is that the future has always been uncertain, but we can always count on God. That, that's the thing that we need to learn is that we can always count on Him. And He gives us strength. Deuteronomy 33:25, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. He says, I'll give you the strength you need today. Every day He gives us strength that we need. Grace. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So He says to us that God gives us the strength we need today. He gives us the grace we need today. So we are to live faithfully today, trusting Him today. Peter Marshall, chaplain of the U.S. Senate, prayed, Help us to do our very best this day and be content with today's trouble so that we shall not borrow the troubles of tomorrow. Save us from the sin of worrying, lest stomach ulcers be the badge of our lack of faith. Amen. Establish spiritual priorities and then reinvest. Verse 34, 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now let me ask you about your investments. Where are they? Are you investing in temporal things? Well, if so, you probably ought to worry. Are you investing in eternal things? Are you investing in the things of God? If you are, you need not worry. And you know what else he says here? That the place of your investment, your treasure, reveals the condition, the location of your heart. You want to know where your heart is? Check out your investments. If you're investing in the things of God, that indicates that God is the center of your heart. If you're ignoring God, that indicates that God has no place in your life. It is a reflection of your heart. So what can we learn? Don't worry. All this stuff, don't worry. Because God knows your needs and He supplies your needs. Establish spiritual priorities and trust God to meet your needs. Pam Phillips sent me a card, and I thank all of you for the cards that I received, but there's a little verse on there. When you are the neediest, He is the most sufficient. When you are completely helpless, He is the most helpful. When you feel totally dependent, He is absolutely dependable. When you are the weakest, He is the most able. When you are the most alone, He is intimately present. When you feel you are the least, He is the greatest. When you feel the most useless, He is preparing you. When it is the darkness, He's the only light you need. When you feel the least secure, He is your rock and fortress. When you are the most humble, He is the most gracious. These are challenging times, and there has never been a time perhaps in your life when you needed God more than you do now. But if you have Him, and He is priority in your life, He is going to meet every need you have this day. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Our Father in God, we thank You that we can come to You during the good times and the bad times, and find that you love us and that you're sufficient. Father, today we come to a time of invitation, and I pray for every person here, those who have never come to know Jesus and they're trying to struggle through life by themselves, I pray that they would commit their life to you. Father, for Christians who have fallen into the trap of worrying about the temporal I pray today they might see you standing above it all and being sufficient for every need. Lord, that our faith will be in you, our trust will be in you. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this invitation, that you'll draw people unto yourself, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If you're here without Christ, the invitation is to come receive Jesus. Come receive Christ as your Savior. If you're looking for a church home, our doors open to you. We'd love to have you to be a part of this family. It's a wonderful family. We'd love to invite you to be a part.
Stand with me, please, as the choir sings. You come. I'll greet you as you do.